MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, May 13th, 2021. Today, over 100 prominent Republicans threatened to form a third party over Trump as House Republicans oust Liz Cheney from her leadership position. Chris Miller, Robert Conte, and Jeffrey Rosen testify before the House Oversight Committee. Merrick Garland and Don McGahn reach an agreement for McGahn's testimony in the Trump obstruction case. Students for Trump founder Fournier ratted out his fake lawyer partner and new explosive accusations about Gates ally Joel Greenberg. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Thursday. How's it going? Happy Thursday, my friend. I'm doing okay. How are you? I, there was a, We're doing this on Zoom and AG just did a little dance. I just want you guys to know. <laughs> no one can see it, but I'm throwing her under the bus. It was just a little shimmy. <laughs> I shimmied. Uh, I'm okay. I'm a little sleepy. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I think it's because it's we got the May gray here. You oh, know? yeah, we, we do as well. And so um, I think it's just that, you know, usually I'm left coast is, is all sunshine. But in May and June, we trick tourists into coming here when it's all cloudy. <laughs> uh, so that's what we're experiencing. Everybody, now you know I'm letting out the secret nationally to an international audience. Avoid San Diego in May and June. It's cloudy and gray. And uh, you know, it's more of a Morrissey song than anything else. So uh, we do have a ton of news to get to today. It was really so much news. <laughs> really interesting day, especially on Capitol Hill. What a bunch of uh, uh, assholes. They're just childish assholes. Uh, and and Jim Jordan just yelling constantly. Don't worry, I won't play any Jim Jordan clips. Uh, Thank you. Uh, we have so much news today. We don't have any interviews. I'm just going to be, you know, powering through the headlines. And we're going to start with uh, the top stories right now. Let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today, and this is very interesting. The House Judiciary Committee uh, and the Biden administration have struck an agreement with the Department of Justice in principle to resolve a two-year-old fight over a subpoena for testimony from Don McGahn. He's the former White House counsel under the former guy. And this is according to lawyers in court filings on Tuesday. This fight has been working its way through the courts. Um, and McGahn didn't, you know, they didn't want to testify without it being okay with the court. But apparently there's been an agreement reached. So here's the joint status report that, that was filed in its entirety. It's very short. It says the parties hereby submit this joint status report to advise the court of the progress of the party's discussions. The Committee on the Judiciary and the Executive Branch have reached an agreement in principle on an accommodation and anticipated filing, as soon as possible, a joint motion asking the court to remove this case from the May 19th, 2021 oral argument calendar in order to allow the parties to implement the accommodation. Former President Trump, who is not party to this case, is not a party to the agreement in principle regarding the accommodation. So what this means is the Department of Justice under Barr was, you know, fighting this in the courts on behalf of the president and the executive branch. But the current Department of Justice is not fighting it and has asked to remove the arguments from the court schedule because they've reached an agreement, right? Uh, an accommodation, they said, between both parties. The specific mention of Trump not being party to the case 
is important. It's a preemptive rebuttal to any sort of suit that the former guy could file. I'm not sure whether Trump will sue to block this arrangement, but it appears the Department of Justice is saying they won't fight on his behalf any longer, which could free the court from hearing any such case. This is an agreement between the two parties who, you know, the House Judiciary and McGahn, uh, as overseen by the, you know, this this agreement with the Department of Justice. So they're like, well, everyone here in the government is for it now. Uh, the new Congress has resubmitted the request, uh, the subpoena, the request for, for testimony, and we've come to an agreement and Trump has nothing to do with it. And we'll see how that plays out. But it's my understanding that the office of the president would need Department of Justice backing to stop this, which the DOJ here is indicating would not happen. I have a lot of thoughts about this and the potential testimony and what it could lead to. And I'll be going over all that on Sunday's new episode of Mueller, She Wrote. That's right. It's been revived. Uh, We dropped an episode Sunday. You can check that out by searching for Mueller, She Wrote. That goes over the whole bar memo with Judge Jackson and it's me and Andrew McCabe shooting the breeze for about a half an hour. And uh, then we'll have a a new episode coming up uh, this Sunday. And that's going to include Peter Jukes uh, from across the pond. We're going to talk about Prince Michael and his money he received to communicate with Putin. So a lot of interesting stuff. Indeed. Uh, The next up, it looks like, you know, I know Caitlyn Jenner's not used to losing races. It sure looks like she's about to lose this one, A.G. (laughs) Uh, My goodness, the headline on this. This is from the LGBTQ nation. And this is what I don't get. The first line, a shockingly low 6% of Californian voters. A shockingly low. I am shocked that it's 6%. They said (laughs) they Shockingly high. I know. This seems shockingly high. So 6% of California voters said they would consider voting for Caitlyn Jenner against Governor Gavin Newsom in the state's upcoming recall election. That's according to a new U.S., uh, excuse me, UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental... Um, studies and an LA Times poll, both of those. So the poll asked Californians about four candidates who are trying to unseat Newsom in the recall election. There's former San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner, uh, lawyer John Cox tied for first place. Now they both have 22% support, which are ready. Those, those are already weak results. I mean, former rep Doug uh, Ose, is that how we do Doug's last name? We're going to do yeah, Ose. So, yeah. Got support from 14% of the voters in the poll for his campaign. Just 14%. Now, Jenner, as we know, is the retired Olympic athlete and TV star. And just let's emphasize that. Came in last at just 6%. Oh, poor Jenner. And uh, respondents to the poll were allowed to say that they support more than one challenger, which is really interesting. They were allowed to say that maybe if it's not him, it's her. Not her either. That is 94% of voters don't support her, and it's not because they prefer another challenger. Like, it's that whole thing. You remember, like, in Monopoly, it's like, uh, you, you got second prize in the beauty contest, and we used to say, but you were the only one there. Um, yeah. So even among Republicans, only 13%. I'm still shocked by this number, everyone. 13% say they'd be inclined to vote for her. Uh, and that's uh, De Camillo. Uh, it's a very poor showing. Um, that's what they were saying. It is quite a poor showing. Additionally, Jenner told CNN this week that she never voted for pre- for president. She never voted for president in November 2020 election and opted to golf instead because she couldn't get excited about the dozen measures on the California ballot. I want to repeat that. <laughs> the person running to unseat Gavin Newsom in a recall election did not exercise her right to vote because she was not excited 
about the dozen measures on the California ballot. The trouble is that L.A. County records show she did (laughs) cast a ballot last fall. So she's saying she didn't. We're saying she did. The issue arose in CNN's Dana Bash asked Jenner this week if she had voted for the former guy in last year's election. Now, Jenner, in relying on former Trump aides for campaign strategy, (laughs) horrible idea, Um, but she had broken with the Republican president in 2018 over his position on transgender issues, which is really interesting because she came out in full support not long after. She said, I didn't even vote, Jenner told Bash in a wide-ranging interview at her home in Malibu. Out here in California, it's like, why vote for a Republican president? It's just not going to work. I mean, it's overwhelming. Which is so interesting, because if that's the case, why the hell would you run as a Republican for governor? <laughs> but Jenner didn't stop there. As further, if she voted... None of this story makes any sense to me. As further, if she voted on down-ticket races, she said she did not and suggested... She didn't participate at all. And this is a direct quote. It was voting day, and I thought, the only thing out here in California that I worry about, which affects people, is the propositions that were out there, Jenner said. And I didn't see any propositions that I really had one side, I really cared one side or the other. And so it was election day, and I just couldn't get excited about it. And I just wound up going to play golf. And I said, eh, I'm not doing that. That was a direct quote, everyone. Okay. California voters considered 12 ballot measures in November during a campaign that set new records for overall spending. Proposals that Jenner said didn't excite her affected the future of cash bail, affirmative action, gig workers, rent control, criminal criminal sentencing, among other topics. I'm sorry that doesn't just excite you, Jenner. (laughs) Excite you. (laughs) Uh, Jenner's Uh, can't... You know, it's not about airport, you know, private airplane hangers. So I'm going to go golf from the women's tees. I'll see you later. Ugh, can Jenner's campaign would not comment on the record when asked about the conflicting accounts Tuesday and only spoke on background. Now, it's kind of telling that she can't admit to either voting for or against Trump in 2020, uh, but wants to run as a Republican. Like I said, it's just mind blowing. Is it really mind blowing or is it just we're shocked by people's hypocrisy? And, and this is just stupidity. Part of this is just dumb. Well, she here's here's what I think. She has Trump people helping her with her campaign, obviously. Of course. Yes. So she can't say she voted for Biden. Uh, and so and she can't say she voted for Trump because then she'll lose a bunch of people, too. So she's trying to say she didn't vote at all, but she voted. I'm sure she did. You know. Absolutely. Yep. Speaking of being afraid to support or oppose Trump, House Republicans ousted Liz Cheney from her leadership position this morning, and they did it in the most cowardly way possible. They did a voice vote. That way, no one had to put their name on whether they would support her or the Trump wing of the party. Cowards. They're cowards. Total cowards. Liz Cheney said her sole focus now is making sure the former guy doesn't get anywhere near the Oval Office again. And this feels like an official launch of a Trump opposition wing within the within the GOP, effectively fracturing the gross old party, to which I say, right on. Do it. In fact, over 100 former Republican officials will sign a letter on Thursday declaring that if the Republican Party does not break with the former guy and change course, they will uh, back the creation of a third party. The letter headlined A Call for American Renewal is an exploratory move toward forming a breakaway party. The uh, group is dismayed by what it says is a modern Republican Party driven by its allegiance to Trump, who continues to falsely claim the 2020 election was stolen from him. Quote, the Republican Party is broken. It's time for a resistance of the rationals against the radicals. That's Miles Taylor. That's the anonymous guy, right? The, the uh, what did what did he call? Um, 
Lodestar. Remember the, the letter yes. and then he wrote a book? Yeah, that's him. Uh, Taylor, while serving in the Trump White House, wrote an anonymous opinion piece in the New York Times called, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. That's the Lodestar one that I'm talking about. Now, the signatories on this letter, who include former ambassadors and former uh, governors, congressional members, cabinet secretaries, they want the Republican Party to return to principled leadership. <laughs> you know, the old stuff where they just hated gays and black people. They want to go back to that. Uh, and that reject division and conspiracy theories or face a new party dedicated to fighting for Republicans such as Cheney and against fear mongering and lies. So this really doesn't break on social lines, right? This breaks right. more on the big lie. Yeah. Uh, they'll because you know traditional Republicans up to that point weren't awesome. So <laughs> yeah, that's why all like... these people that are hailing Cheney as a hero. Listen, I give her props mm. for speaking the truth, but she is a horrible record. She's, yeah, she's terrible. Yeah, let's not forget that, everyone. Please. No, I'm only celebrating the fact that she's driving a wedge straight through the middle of the Republican Party. Hundred percent. Now McCarthy said after the vote to oust her that no one is contesting the election results. No one's doing that anymore, despite the fact that, yes, they are. And that was what they had just ousted Liz Cheney for pushing back on. He's infuriating. <laughs> he is an infuriating troll. And then, you know, in his defense of ousting Liz Cheney, he's like, we're a big tent party. That's the opposite. Okay. Did he see a big tent party like a circus? Because that's what it sure fucking seems like right now. <laughs> Yeah, it was the Crazy Times Carnival. The Big Tent is the Crazy Times Carnival. <laughs> According to Tuesday's uh, edition of Politico Playbook, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is now facing backlash from House Republicans for his push to oust Cheney. Uh, playbooks, uh, the Political Playbook reports that the move is being viewed by some GOP members and not just the moderate Adam Kinzinger types. Uh, as McCarthy throwing his own colleague to the MAGA wolves to secure the backing of former President Donald Trump in his potential bid to be Speaker of the House in 2022. Quote, this is one of... Uh, this is a one of some like McCarthy's buddies uh, who's a Republican who's not like a, a Kinzinger type. He says Kevin McCarthy has pissed off enough members of his own conference that he's going to have to go back to his former days as a whip to try to figure out where his votes are to become speaker. Uh, they don't we don't know who this person is, but he says you have people like me who are here to do the right thing for all the right reasons and have an ex expectation of leadership that are, shall we say, disgusted with the internal squabbling that results from having weak leadership and it's weak leadership straight up. My goodness. It's like the Lord of the flies. I don't know if McCarthy knows this. He's kind of dumb, but when you want to be speaker of the house, you have to be voted for. Yeah. Like the <laughs> and if, if he's pissed a bunch of people off, He's not going to be Speaker of the House, whether Trump supports him or not. Right. He's asking for support for someone that actually is involved in government in 2022. Like, at all. He has no power. <sighs> now, speaking of the former guy, and Students for Trump co-founder and pugnacious MAGA Twitter troll Ryan Fournier. We're saying Fournier because he doesn't even deserve the class of <laughs> Fournier, which is what it probably is. Fournier. <laughs> Allegedly helped his friend create a fake law firm to bilk innocent clients only to rat out his friend to help federal law enforcement. And that's according to records and statements made Tuesday by a lawyer, a lawyer involved in the case. So the new revelations about Fournier's alleged involvement in the fake law firm came after a Tuesday sentencing hearing where a federal judge sentenced Fournier's students for Trump co-founder, 25-year-old John Lambert, to 13 months in jail for operating a fake 
law practice. Fournier will not face prosecution himself, and that's according to a document filed by federal prosecutors. In a federal court filing, the man now identified as Fournier is described as providing information to the government since in or about April 2018 in the hope of not being charged for his role in the wire fraud conspiracy. I'm telling you people, sometimes it just takes time, but all of these little rats are going to drown. Mm. And I'm not encouraging drowning rats. It's just a saying. I like rats very much. I do not want a letter back from anybody. No rats were harmed in the making of this revolution. Now, yes, uh, that's hilarious. Goppel eat itself. Circular firing squad. I have said many, many times on this show that these are such it's like the mob without the loyalty and they're all going to take each other down. Roger Stone was given a bunch of shit to ban in the other day on, I think, Telegram or one of those Gab or, you know, one of those bullshit sites and just like tore into Bannon and called him like a walking pile of shit or something like that. Bag of shit. If anyone sees this bag of shit, punch him in the face. Uh, I'm like, uh, I only laugh because it's Roger Stone going up for Bannon. I mean, come on. And I'm like, God, is Bannon, is Bannon cooperating against Stone? Why would Stone be so? Anyway, they're all going to take each other down and it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, We'll be right back with a breakdown of the testimony on the Hill today from Chris Miller, Robert Conte, and Jeffrey Rosen, and then later new allegations in the Gates-Greenberg scandal. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. Here's a fun fact. Most home remedies and over-the-counter acne products don't work. And even worse, they can really damage your skin. And I know this because I've used some of those products. The worst advice I got when I was about 16 was to put hemorrhoid cream on my zits. The person who told me that can kiss my acne. But do you know what actually does work? Prescription treatments. That's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe. I absolutely love this company, uh, and they sponsor this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with board-certified dermatologists who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your skin. You simply fill out their online quiz, snap a few selfies, and send it to your dermatologist, and they'll create a customized treatment plan for you. Uh, I know a lot of people are getting mask knee. I'm, I'm having that as well. Uh, you know, because I continue to wear my mask outdoors and I'll certainly probably do it again this winter to avoid getting the flu, but that can be bad for your skin. And so this has really, really helped. Now, apostrophe treats acne. They can also help hit other uh, skincare goals like reducing redness and wrinkles and even dark spots. And, you know, our eyes are very pronounced right now because that's what you see above the mask. And so apostrophe has really gotten rid of those fine lines and wrinkles around my eyes. Uh, My personal skincare goal as an adult is to avoid the acne, although I'm supposed to have zit clemency at my age, but I haven't yet. But uh, I also want to reduce a little bit of redness and, and take care of those wrinkles around my eyes. And so I have a dark spot or two, and apostrophe has really helped. Uh, And I love apostrophe because I get a real dermatologist, board certified, and my plan was tailored just for me. Submitting uh, for my visit was quick. I didn't need to schedule an appointment. Best of all, I didn't have to go to the pharmacy or wait in line or be around people to get my meds. They sent them directly to me, and it took no time at all. And the prescription medications feel great on my skin. They're smooth and silky. They absorb nicely. They weren't heavy. 
Uh, and we have a special deal for our listeners. Save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash beans. And when you use our code beans, this code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash beans and click begin visit. And then use the code beans at sign up and you'll get $15 off your visit. That's apostrophe.com slash beans, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash beans and use the code beans. And thanks to Apostrophe for sponsoring the pod. Hello, welcome back. So this morning, Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. on the left coast, uh, I woke up, rubbed my eyes, (laughs) turned on the House Oversight Committee hearing uh, to hear the testimony of Trump toady and former acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, uh, the wispy former acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen. That's the douche that blocked the Rudy warrant, by the way, and the chief of the D.C. Metro Police, Robert Conte. Uh, committee Chair Democrat Maloney gave an opening statement about the importance of finding out what the, why the D.C. National Guard was held back during the insurrection for four hours and mentioned that neither the Department of Justice nor the FBI has handed over a single document that the Oversight Committee has requested uh, about the failures on January 6th. Uh, then it was the vice chair's turn, Comer, and he was an idiot. He talked about stuff way off topic and deliberately mispronounced the vice president's name, which seems to be a favorite racist insult of the GQP. And then we heard their opening statements of the people being uh, questioned. Uh, right from the jump, Christopher Miller was contentious and shitty, and Rosen was weak. Uh, but Robert Conte was was awesome, and he's testified before. Now, Miller blamed everything that day on the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, and said that the people who thought for, you know, four hours was a long time do not understand how the military works. That's what he said. And he said that despite being able to deploy the National Guard in minutes against the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters the summer before. But of course, he didn't mention that. And he says he stands by every decision he made that day. And that's a refrain he would repeat even when being grilled by Rep. Ro Khanna. Let's listen to that clip. Secretary Miller... I have never been more offended on this committee by a witness statement than yours. You were more concerned about defending your own reputation and justifying your own actions than the sanctity of this capital and the sanctity of our democracy. Have you no sense of accountability? No sense of shame? Secretary Miller, I want to ask you today, will you at the very least apologize to the American public for what happened on your watch? I want to highlight the incredible job that the members of our armed forces and the civilians. I I agree with you about the armed forces. Secretary Miller, it's my time. Your pugnacious style is not going to override the democratic process. Learn to respect it. My question isn't about our troops or our armed forces. Everyone recognizes they're extraordinary. My question is about your incompetence in leading them. Will you apologize to the American public for what happened on your watch? Will you apologize to the troops for what happened on your watch? The Department of Defense and our members of the armed forces performed magnificently yes, on January no one, 6th Secretary, and following no one is questioning the what they did. By questioning what you did, is it your testimony that you refuse to apologize to the American public for what happened? I stand by every decision I made on January 6th. So you 6th, think you did everything perfectly? Just like the president said, he did everything perfectly in his calls. Is that your testimony? You did everything perfectly, no mistakes? We'll have a little bit more about Ro Khanna's questions in a bit. 
But Miller then said he could not have unilaterally deployed the troops without the consent of the mayor or the Capitol Police. And that's despite him saying over and over again that he had total control that day. And that's why he didn't need to speak with Trump. So when asked if he spoke with Trump, he denied it and said, I was in charge. I was the decider. I was the main guy. But, you know, he <laughs> but he somehow blamed it on, on Bowser, Mural Bowser and the Capitol Police saying he couldn't have just unilaterally done it. He didn't have the power to do that. He had to get the, you know, get a request from the mayor and the Capitol Police. So right there, conflicting information. Now, in Rosen's opening statement, he said he was proud of the Department of Justice's response that day and cautioned the lawmakers that his memory isn't great of that day. It's been a while. And he wouldn't be able to answer questions that pertain to ongoing investigations. Uh, When we heard from Conte, who defended Muriel Bowser, he said that the president of the United States controls the National Guard, not the mayor of the District of Columbia. And the first question from Maloney to Chris Miller was whether or not Trump called him, whether or not they spoke. And he said no. He had all the authority. Again, that is despite telling Congress his hands were tied because the mayor and the Capitol Police didn't request help, which they actually did. He also testified he did not give the order to deploy the National Guard based on Pence's call and that he gave the order at 3 p.m. to deploy, which is an hour before Pence called him. It's interesting. Conte then argued that the mayor of D.C. should have the authority to call out the D.C. National Guard. It shouldn't be the president. Uh, The Democrat Rep. Lynch questioned Chris Miller about whether Trump incited the insurrection. And at first, Miller said it goes without saying Trump incited the crowd. But then he turned on a dime and said, I've reassessed that answer. And uh, Trump's remarks were not the unitary factor that day. But for... President Trump's speech. Do you think anyone would have marched on the Capitol and tried to overrun the Capitol without the president's remarks? Uh, I know you've you've answered this question several times, but I'd like you to answer it for the committee. I think I'd like to modify my original assessment. (laughs) Why am I not surprised about that? Based on, based on, as Chief Conte said. we are getting more information by the day, by the minute about what happened. And uh, the highlight, some other observations that were made, it's clear now that there were organized, although we're gonna find out through the Department of Justice process and the uh, the legal system, it seems clear that there was some sort of conspiracy where there were organized assault elements that intended to assault the Capitol that day. And then there were several interesting questions for Jeffrey Rosen. He was asked if Trump enlisted him to help overturn the election, and Rosen refused to answer. He dodged the question. And then Rosen admitted to speaking with Trump before the insurrection, but said it was about the planning. It wasn't, excuse me, it was not about the planning and preparations for January 6th, which indicates that there was planning and preparation. But he refused to say what they talked about. So he said, well, it wasn't about the insurrection. He was asked if it was about the election, uh, and he didn't answer. Now, Ro Khanna asked a very important question after that. He said uh, whether or not anyone in Miller's office, he wanted to know whether or not anyone in Miller's office tried to get a hold of Trump on the 6th. And Miller said not that he was aware of. He then asks about the 36-minute delay between Pence asking for the guard and Miller approving it. And Miller says he's not aware of what time it was that day. But uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez nailed down the timeline for him, backed him into a corner. She says, at 1.34, you were aware of the Capitol breach. At 3 p.m., you say you mobilized the National Guard. At 4.08, you spoke with Pence. Then at 4.32 came the actual order to clear the Capitol. 
She says, quote, what we have here is that the order was not issued after a conversation with D.C. Mayor Bowser. The order to clear the Capitol was not issued after a conversation with Speaker Pelosi, and it was not issued after a conversation with Leader Schumer. The conversation with Vice President Pence happened at 408, and at 432 was the actual verbal, verbal authorization, according to the Department of Defense. That was nearly three hours after Mayor Bowser first requested National Guard assistance. So, huh, Republicans Miller and Rosen blamed the media for the insurrection. Rosen admitted that he talked to Trump but wouldn't say what about. Miller was contentious and said he acted perfectly that day and would do it all again if given the chance. And the GOP lawmakers tried to rewrite the day by saying it was fun and they were, you know, they were just protesting. Uh, some, some said that they weren't even Trump supporters. They were Antifa. Uh, they said Officer Sicknick died of stuff that had nothing to do with the insurrection, uh, said that it wasn't an armed protest because they didn't have guns and that Ashley Babbitt was executed. Oh, and that Black Lives Matter needs to be investigated. One thing everyone seemed to agree on was the need for an insurrection commission, though the Republicans blamed Pelosi for the holdup. And creating one, even though it's the Republicans' demands for the commission to look into Antifa or whatever, that's preventing the commission from moving forward. Uh, Dem Rep Quigley finished the question portion, asking Miller, if this was a success, how would you classify a failure? And also said, we lost the building for the first time since 1814, yet it's everyone else's fault but the Department of Defense? And Miller responded by blaming Congress. And Quigley replied, you lost and you don't have the intestinal fortitude to own up to it. So there's still a lot we don't know. And Chris Miller is hiding something. Um, Not enough people went into asking him about his January 4th memo, I thought. And I think we needed to know more about the discussions between Trump and these guys ahead of the insurrection. Something tells me we won't get that information. But that's what happened today. And we'll be right back with more news after this. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by Upstart. Do you dread looking at your credit card statements every month? It's like a black cloud, that debt hanging over you, so I don't blame you. But Upstart can lift that weight off your shoulders, so you can easily and finally feel the relief of being free of credit card debt. Upstart is the fast, easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a half a million people have used Upstart to get simple, fixed monthly payments. And unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. You're more than just a number to them. They look at your income and your employment history, for example. And this means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. And after the past year, I know so many people are struggling. They've gone into heavy credit card debt. And when you make those minimum payments, it's like you're not even digging out of that hole. And um, it's it's really tough. So I highly recommend to all my friends and listeners out there, check out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. And when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans, it's even more awesome. Uh, upstart.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to use this particular URL so that they know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. Again, that's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Hello, welcome back. It is time for a Pizzagate's update. Uh, in new reporting out from Sullenberger at the Daily Beast, and content warning here because uh, this talks about sexual assault, and also buckle up because as one woman told CNN, this is like high school, except no one graduates. According to Sullenberger, multiple women paid by uh, Joel Greenberg claim they felt pressure to do drugs and have sex with him. 
Uh, 12 women, the Daily Beast interviewed 12 women about their experiences with Greenberg and his friends, and they all spoke under the condition of anonymity. And all 12 said it was their understanding that Greenberg was paying them, at least in part, for sex, going as far back as 2013. Ten of the 12 told the Daily Beast they felt pressure at one time or another to drink or take drugs uh, to have sex. And all 12 said Greenberg encouraged them to invite friends, either for himself or for men that he knew. That's Gates. None of the women used the phrase sexual assault in their interviews, and the encounters seemed to cover a spectrum of experiences. Uh, some women, uh, this is from the article here, quotes, some women described platonic encounters where they still got paid. Others relayed that they had consensual sex for money, but some characterized their experiences as trauma. And four women, four of these 12, said Greenberg pressured them to have sex with one recounting that she had sex with Greenberg and another woman after being plied with an endless supply of drugs. Quote, I was under the influence of so many drugs, I would not have agreed to the other woman being there. I wasn't really in a position to say I didn't want to do this. I wasn't in my right mind. I was in over my head, and it was kind of scary. Now, Venmo transactions, as we know, have shown that Greenberg paid this particular woman $375, writing more to come in the memo field. Two hours and 45 minutes after she received the payment, she returned the money, according to the transactions, using just one letter, L. She said, I felt so bad about this. That's what she told Solenberger. In addition to the four women who said they felt pressure to have sex, three other women said Greenberg refused to pay them after they declined to do drugs to have sex with him and a group of his friends. Uh, one of the women recalled that when Greenberg found out she had faked taking ecstasy, he aggressively insisted that she take it. And she said, quote, I immediately left right after and was sick on the way home. Uh, while uh, she didn't have sex with Greenberg on that night, she acknowledged that she had on again, off again sexual relationship with him for years and said that she absolutely felt pressured to have sex with him. Um, she said, noting that she cut off contact after the ecstasy incident. That experience of Greenberg pressuring women to take ecstasy tracked with the accounts of the other women. And uh, Sullenberger goes on here to say, according to one of these 12 women, when she and a friend faked taking MDMA, they faked it, Greenberg got angry and told him that they were taking advantage of him. And they fled the hotel because they thought Greenberg, who had taken two doses, was dangerous. One woman said she sought therapy to heal from the encounters, and another said she planned to seek therapy. And several women grew silent describing their experiences. Three cried. Three cried during their interviews. A few women who declined Greenberg's advances said they didn't understand why he kept paying them, but were happy to take the money. Uh, other women described the former elected official as a people pleaser, but noted that his personality changed when he was under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Alcohol and drugs were co a common thread among all 12 of these women, specifically ecstasy. And one woman told the Daily Beast she had never seen so many drugs, and several noted that Greenberg regularly took ecstasy during the encounters. He was always on Molly, said one. Greenberg's attorney, Fritz Scheller, declined to comment. Gates spokesperson Harlan, Harlan Hill, issued a statement saying, quote, despite the Daily Beast's extensive review of Congressman Gates's life, the only allegations of impropriety seem to be about Mr. Greenberg. On just Venmo and the Cash App, Greenberg paid more than 40 young women nearly $100,000 over two years. Uh, according to the Daily Beast, they connected a number of those women to Gates through Venmo and social media and mutual friends. But none of those women agreed to interviews. Uh, some almost immediately blocked reporters' phone numbers. One woman, whom Greenberg paid more than seven grand, asked a reporter twice for money in exchange for info, writing, uh, she texted him, pay me or GTFO, which means get the fuck out. 
The woman, the woman was listed as a friend of Gates on Venmo, too. But that connection ended after the reporter contacted her. She unfriended him, as did Gates's friendship with several other women on that on Venmo. Now, the Daily Beast says that all of the stories shared have very similar threads going through them. They connected with Greenberg online. They had encounters in hotel rooms or at the house of one of Greenberg's friends. They were paid through cash apps uh, in exchange for sex. Many were pressed to drink and take drugs. Uh, often invited to have group sex, and some did, either with multiple men or multiple women. And uh, Greenberg offered to connect them with influential people, including a congressman whom they understood to be Matt Gates. although these four women noted they never did meet Gates. Uh, another woman did say Greenberg told her the congressman was about uh, among about 10 other men at a house party she briefly attended in back in April of 2017. She said she left early because... The situation made her very uncomfortable. Yeah, I can't blame her. As we know, last week, same Sullenberger at same Daily Beast reported that Greenberg wrote that confession letter that Gates paid to have sex with women, as w- uh, including a 17-year-old. Uh, but Greenberg is in jail, awaiting trial, trying to plead out. But I personally wouldn't use Greenberg as a witness. You've got 33 criminal indictments, including sex trafficking, you can't go easy on a sex trafficking charge. Um, so, you know, I don't know how this is going to uh, turn out. But according to documents obtained by the Beast, Gates paid Greenberg at least three times. And in one of those instances, he put hit up blank in the memo field. And the blank is the nickname of the 17-year-old. Um, but the teenager turned 18 five months prior to that transaction. But Venmo records show that Greenberg first paid her about a year before that. Anyway, this is um, very disturbing, and at least four of these women told the Beast they've been contacted by feds, the feds, who appear to have focused their probe on the 17-year-old. One woman who was interviewed alongside a friend who had shared the encounter told the Daily Beast the agent showed them a photo of her. And the woman, who at the time of the encounter had recently turned 18 but had not yet graduated from high school, said she and her friend told the agent that Greenberg had brought them four discarded IDs as an inducement to have sex. The women said Greenberg didn't ask if they were of age, but was conscious enough to know they obviously weren't 21. When they declined to have sex, she said, Greenberg turned the inducement into a threat, warning them they could face legal exposure for taking the IDs that he tried to bribe them with. Makes you wonder about that late-night run Matt Gates made to his office when he was tax collector, and they were sifting through IDs that were probably handed in in exchange for new ones. Quote, he told us in detail he'd go to the DMV, take the old IDs people turn in and just take them and give them to people like us. His victims as a way to have sex with them. He made that very clear. And he made that clear when we didn't want to have sex with him. He tried to play like he was the victim. And if we didn't have sex with him and took and took the IDs that we would get in trouble for taking the IDs. And he said the payment to get the fake ID was to have sex with him and fifteen hundred dollars. So the two girls fled the hotel without having sex with them or taking the IDs. But cash app receipts show that Greenberg continued to pay her friend, who had turned 18 about two months before that. He first met her friend by, directing, uh, by a direct message on Twitter, and that's according to the woman's account. Now, uh, the Daily Beast here was not able to verify whether these women had told friends at the time about their accounts, but four women involved were able to independently confirm that other women the Daily Beast spoke to were, in fact, paid for sex. And five of the women had group encounters with Greenberg and other women contacted by the Beast. 
Uh, quote, one of the two women who said they never felt pressure to take any drugs or alcohol, one who was a few years older than most of the other women, described a brief sugar daddy relationship with Greenberg. She called the, uh, she recalled that Greenberg paid for expensive dinners and bumped her flights up to first class. The affair ended after an alcohol drug-fueled party with several men and young women at the house belonging to a couple that is friends with Greenberg and Gates. Remember those parties we reported about? That party stretched into the morning hours, she said. It became clear it was leading to group sex, and she left shortly after one of the homeowners offered her the morning-after pill from a cabinet full of Plan B. Uh, Apparently, Greenberg also made job offers to several of these women. Um, All 12 women said Greenberg asked them to invite their friends, as we said. Uh, Four women said they were joined in hotel rooms by a blonde woman who had more experience with Greenberg, One of them, whose encounter also took place at the Grand Bohemian, found herself in a threesome with Greenberg and this woman. And this just goes on. And these accusations are very serious. And as they keep coming out, we we, you know, we keep reiterating the the few ties that we have between Gates and Greenberg. But I think all this is going to come out in the end and it's being investigated and we will keep you posted on it. Uh, One of the women um was was telling the daily beast if i remember correctly that uh in order to get the money that greenberg owed them they had to threaten him with a photo that he was in with a bunch of drugs to get paid so that is what's going down in pizza gates land and uh, again we'll keep you posted and uh, thanks for listening i know that's a, a tough story to get through uh, all 12 of these women uh, talking to the Daily Beast and Sullenberger over uh, with, with the scoop. Really incredible story. Check it out. Check out the Daily Beast. And we'll be right back with the good news after this message. Hey, everybody. It's AG from the Daily Beans. Summer is approaching quickly, and we should enjoy it without a looming to-do list. Policy Genius makes it easy to get life insurance done and done right. It's on our, it's, it's on my list. I know. It's got to be on your list. And Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. And you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes at Policy Genius. That's up to 1300 bucks a year. Uh, that you could save. That's just incredible. And the licensed experts of Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance company. So there's no sales pressure grossness. You can just trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Getting started is really easy. First, you just head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and scheduling for free. They do all the heavy lifting. It's so hassle-free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and they never add on extra fees. So head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. Today, the good news, confessions, corrections, misheard lyrics, swears to share, limericks, what the mutt, and happy places are brought to you by me and Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Nice to be back. Thanks for handling the middle of that show. There is so much to cover. Yeah, just some really interesting clips there. And uh, it's hard work to listen, have to watch Republicans in the House do anything. They're so gross. Um, It's just unbelievable. But 
We are now to the good news portion of the show where I can feel better and uh, read these wonderfully, amazingly submitted good news stories from our listeners. If you have anything that you want to submit, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We would love to hear from you. Uh, First up, from Matthew, no pronouns given, I'm a long-term listener. I love this podcast. It's usually one of the first things that I listen to in the morning. I was listening yesterday to yesterday's show on critical race theory. As a black man, I have a couple of problems with it. One, the name. Espousing something as a theory infers certain aspects are not settled fact. On the contrary, every bit of what is taught in critical race theory is factual and validated. In fact, it should be called factual history or critical race law. That's a really good point, Matthew. Second, though I love the 1619 Project, as a native Floridian, it discounts that my ancestors were already in Florida and enslaved Africans under Spanish rule prior to the 1619. Uh, First enslaved Africans were brought to this country in 1565 in St. Augustine, Florida. In fact, the oldest free black settlement built by the Spanish, Fort Mose, just outside the St. Augustine Gates, was established in 1738. I am a proud American. Most of my brothers and my late father are veterans that served this country in various branches of the military. I love this country, but as the founder said, it is not perfect, and the goal is a more perfect union. Great show. Fan forever. Keep fighting the good fight. Submitted as my dog, pod tax, loyal co-worker, and my head of household security, my nine-and-a-half-year-old puppy, Striker. Oh, I love that name. And what a fantastic submission, Matthew. I agree with every word. Thank you for writing that so that we could share it far and wide. Yeah, I'm going to be able to make sure that I uh, bring that up every time I hear that now because that's such a good point. Right. Uh, and I, I'm so glad that you... Uh, that you um, brought it to light. And I would think with all of your military and family military background, you would be the household security. But here's Stryker and what an adorable baby. I love boxers. They're so sweet. Yes. And also when they have their little underbite. I know, it's so cute. But uh, yeah, Matthew, thank you and your family for your service as well. All right, here we go. This is from C, pronounce he, him. Hi, AG and DG. I'll start with my good news. Today, Tuesday, 512, is my free day. My body has been churning Ooh. out fork, <laughs> fork hands. If you aren't familiar, just Google COVID fork hands. It's almost as um, as worth it as Tom Holland versus Zendaya lip sync <laughs> battle. Hilarious. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm invincible now. I got the Pfizer vaccine and had some mild side effects, low-grade fever and some fatigue for a day, but not nearly enough to stop me from getting a kick-ass workout in, and I wouldn't regret it if the sides were 10 times, if the sides were 10 times as bad. Get your vax, people. Now, on to my correction, or rather, supplemental information. I just listened to 512 episode, and upon hearing the great, uh, the good news submission regarding the Pledge of Allegiance, I immediately wondered if the subject of under God would come up in the conversation. Obligingly, DG mentioned it and teed me up. The words under God were not a part of the original Pledge of Allegiance as we know it today. The Bellamy Pledge, which became what we recite today, was written by Francis Bellamy, a Baptist minister and Christian socialist, and read, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. The words under God weren't officially added until June 14, 1954, by an act of Congress. So the movement to add the phrase was started by Louis Bowman, who first recited the pledge in a meeting of the Sons of the American Revolution in 1948. The drive to several historians, uh, most notably Kevin M. Cruz, 
state that the motivation to add God to the pledge was to differentiate America from the official atheist governments of the Soviet Union and communist China. Interesting. Oh, here we go. Interestingly, (laughs) Bowman stated that the inclusion of under God was an acknowledgement of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which has the line that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. I've read several linguists who believe that Bowman took the phrase out of the con out of context and it had a different meaning in 1863 than it did in 1948 or 1954 or today. They argue that, quote, under God wasn't in the original draft of the Gettysburg Address, and the phrase was only added by Lincoln on the spot when faced with the horror of the battlefield. At the time, linguists say under God had an idiomatic meaning closer to God willing or I hope. Interesting. So while the intention in the 1950s might have been to establish America as a Christian country in opposition to atheist communism, what we might actually be saying is one nation, I hope, with liberty and justice for all. I would love if that's the case. I'm just inserting that into this good news. I've or correction or addition. What are we doing? I've written in before (laughs) and included pictures of my doggo, but I don't recall if these ever made it into onto the air. So if you have seen him before, please enjoy this bit of mid zooms goofiness. And if you haven't seen him, feel free to play a round of what the mutt. I'll include the answers below. Wow, great submission. And yeah, I think we talked about that. And I'd mentioned that the under God wasn't in the original, but this is all of the information and I love it. Yeah, me too. Oh, look at the baby. I think we have German Shepherd, maybe Beagle. I'm starting um, to get a little shy about these because I'm like, I feel like I'm strong. Healer, Healer, Pitbull, Chow Chow, and Box. No, not Boxer. Shepherd. Uh, Come on, at least give me that. Did I say Pitbull? Shepherd. Okay. All right. All right, let's see what we got. German Shepherd. German Shepherd. Husky. Husky. Catahoula. Mastiff. And a That's Mastiff. a small dog for Mastiff. Must not have been too much Mastiff in there. Got a, it's got some be- beefy muscles, though. Oh, it's True. Adorable. What an adorable honey. Cute dog, though. Very cute dog. Thank you for that. That's really, really such interesting history. One Nation, I hope. Indivisible. <laughs> yeah. I know. That would make sense. Yeah, because I could see when, you know, when Lincoln's given the Gettysburg Address and just says that this nation... Uh, under God doesn't mean like by the will of God or anything. It just means like, by, you know, the, uh, you know, that this nation fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. I think that's what it should say. This nation <laughs> fingers crossed. One nation fingers crossed. And we have a title. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up from Len, pronouns he and him. Good morning. Dear morning. Wake up duo. I cannot start my day without you. This is too long. So feel free to trim. You are right. Under God was not inserted into the pledge until 1954, so I recited the version every day until the sixth grade. I still bristle when I hear the insertion, which I later learned was part of the uh, merger of influences of the anti-communist right and corporate interests in the period. I go to religious services every week, now on Zoom, of course. I don't object to God. I just don't want to hear it imposed by the government. By the way, I believe in God we trust wasn't added to the currency until the 30s. Some wag said it was there because we can't trust the, the treasury. <laughs> well, that was definitely true in the last administration. <laughs> <laughs> what is money even? Yeah, we can't t- trust Steve. I'll give you that. Uh, we lost our beloved uh, pre-pod pet rescue dog, Serena, five years ago. Breed below. And don't have our own now, but here's some pics of recent visitors to our yard. Kim Chi, the orange cat, thinks she owns the neighborhood. I'm sure she does. And uh, then we were surprised to discover a pair of foxes, sexy American foxes, lounging and frolicking in the yard last week. I think they know I miss my beloved Serena, who took me for walks every day. Pics of all attached. 
Oh. So sweet. That looks like German Shepherd, uh, Newfoundland Chow, or Samiad, something fluffy. I actually think you just like guessed all three. I would go with those. All right, let's see what happens. Chow Lab. Okay. Yeah, you got one. You get a half. Round, round, get around. I'm a chow chow, yeah, get around. Ooh, <laughs> arf, arf, arf. All right, this next one's from Anonymous, pronounce he and him. Speaking of parody songs based upon newsworthy morons, years ago I decided to rewrite Cab Calloway's Minnie the Moocher for Anthony Scaramucci. The problem is, is that he was in the spotlight for so short a timeline that all I could finish was, folks, here's the story of Tony the Mooch. Ah. He was slicked back bag of douche. <laughs> this is my favorite and complete writing project. That's it. The end. <laughs> hey, two lines is all you need for the mooch. Right. Uh, all right. Finally, anonymous pronoun she and her. The good news is I got my two rescue dogs DNA results after what the mutt piqued my curiosity. Ew. The big guy, Levi, has black spots on his tongue. Chow. Chow, chow. <laughs> <laughs> the little one. Minnie has a bald belly and surprise is mostly Chinese. Chinese crested, that's all the clues you get. As for misheard song lyrics, I originally thought George Michael was singing, I will be your bottom feeder rather than I will be your father figure. Oh. (laughs) I'm going to be your bottom feeder. Put your tiny... Oh, never mind. Okay. Now, it sounded provocative, says Anonymous. Yes, it quite does. Uh, Levi has a mix you mentioned on the show recently. Oh, all right. So Levi has black spots on his tongue. So Levi is the chow. Oh, yeah, yeah. See Levi there with the chow? Yeah. That we that we knew about? I can't remember what else was in there. Uh, I feel like... Th- we know chow. I think we said beagle and shepherd or something like that. I feel like those are corgi ears, but I'm sure this dog doesn't have corgi in it. It's so cute. And then the other one here uh, um, says mostly Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chihuahua. Yeah, Chihuahua, Pomeranian. Look at those armpit fur. Could be. Um, If it's not Chinese crested, it's definitely not Sharpay. I think Chinese crested. I mean, I think they gave us the clue also looks like. All right, let's see. Mini is, ah, Chinese crested, Pomeranian, Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Hoo-hoo, we got three. We did. We left out Buer Terrier and Bichon Frise. We left that Levi. out. Is. is German Shepherd, yeah, Australian Cattle Shepherd, Chow, Staffordshire, Chow, Beagle. Chow. Yep. All right, we did we pretty did good on that one. Not bad, not bad, not bad. Yeah, a good fun. way for me to end my week on the air here. <laughs> yeah, I feel real good <laughs> yeah, about everybody. it. Real good about it, Ag. Yeah, good. Well, I think Amy will be back tomorrow, and so if you have any disputes you want settled in Gong Gong Amy's court, let us know. Uh, and uh, you can file amicus briefs in from previous cases as well uh, if you feel the need. Um, I'm, I'm totally down for that. And uh, any other confessions or corrections or, or good news or what the mutts you want to play, find the cat. That's fun. You can send it in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And that's how you do it. And uh, that's it. That's the show for today. Thanks for hanging in. I know it was a lot of news. I tried to make it as uh, uplifting as possible, but uh, it, it can be tough in some of these stories. But thank you for, for, for hanging out this long. Appreciate it. You always make it entertaining. You always make it entertaining. <laughs> it, I get a lot of help from listeners, I have to tell you. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we no final out? thoughts just have a fabulous night I will be in your ears back Monday morning bright and early ready to go mm. awesome thanks everybody and until tomorrow please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health I've been AG and I've been DG and them's the beans
The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kunai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.